mankind's potential for self-destruction through the lusts of the flesh appears to be limitless. While there is nothing new in the sensual sins and wanton debauchery that we witness in our culture, technology has undoubtedly advanced its influence. And one such sin is being promoted in an apparently fanatical fashion, transgenderism. Now for our host, Bill Petrie. What is transgenderism? The subject of transgenderism includes specifically transsexuality, cross-dressing, and seeking gender identity development through radical surgeries and hormone treatment. And more broadly, gender atypicality that includes subcultural expressions of self-selecting gender and intersectionality with other interdependent movements such as feminism and homosexuality. The idea of transgenderism has its roots in the ancient rebellion of humankind to the creation order of God. Ancient pagan rituals would have included some aspects of transgender practice. More currently, social anarchists, such as the otherwise brilliant French social critic Michael Foucault, argued that Christianity has leveraged its cultural powers to repress human sexual expression. Foucault taught that gender is a social construct, not a biological fact. The absurdity of such thinking was largely unchallenged in the 1960s and 1970s when Foucault and others were teaching such dogma in prestigious universities in Canada, France, and the United States. Perhaps we felt that it was too ludicrous to engage. Recently, in the last presidential election in 2019, the current United States president in a debate, Joe Biden, was asked how many genders there were. He responded, and I quote, at least three, end of quote. Such a frightening, fallacious response by a person of influence constitutes an unmitigated endorsement of Foucault's radical deconstruction of reality. For someone to affirm with a straight face in serious dialogue, like a presidential debate, that there are at least three genders is an Orwellian case study in double bank newspeak and the thought police come to life. To speak seriously about a gender other than male and female is surely the untenable subordinating to the inconceivable. Let's talk about the medical truth about gender dysphoria. At one time, it would have been unnecessary. 
but it now has to be said. The American College of Pediatricians should be awarded a Courage Award for stating the obvious. And I am going to quote from the American College of Pediatricians. Here's the quote. Human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait. XY and XX are genetic markers of male and female respectively, not genetic markers of a disorder. The norm for human design is to be conceived either male or female. Human sexuality is binary by design with the obvious purpose being the reproduction and flourishing of our species. This principle is self-evident, end of quote. To those who suffer from gender dysphoria or feeling trapped in a person of the opposite sex, the prestigious association responds with merciful scientific clarity. And again, I quote from the American College of Pediatricians. Here's the quote. No one is born with an awareness of themselves is male or female. This awareness develops over time, and like all developmental processes, may be derailed by a child's subjective perceptions, relationships, and adverse experiences from infancy forward. People who identify as feeling like the opposite sex or somewhere in between do not comprise a third sex. They remain biological men or biological women. End of quote. Then how do otherwise smart people fall for the newspeak of Michael Foucault and Kimberly Crenshaw and increasingly advocate for public school textbooks that endorse transgenderism? How is it that parents in Long Beach, California, who oppose transvestite drag queens, who, by the way, were invited by former First Lady Michelle Obama, reading to their kindergartners, are considered to be haters? Let's talk about the biblical truth about gender. Sexual sins, including transgenderism, were among the most heinous practices of the people living in Canaan. The lessons of their judgment, because of deviant sexual practices, remain as ominous warning signs to us today. When we prefer unbelief to faith in God, to advance the lusts of our flesh, we inevitably and often irretrievably destine ourselves for judgment. In the cases before us, the people groups living in Canaan digressed from what is clearly shown in creation and in God's word that we are born 
is either male or female, and that our God-given human sexuality is divinely sanctioned and most beautifully expressed is complementary. And within the covenated bonds of matrimony, a husband and a wife, led to a veritable infestation of the land, which vomited the people from the land and led to, to judicial hardening of their hearts and their ultimate destruction. First, we need to address the idea that God created them male and female. God has not left us without his word, and thus his will concerning sexuality. First, humankind is indeed binary. There is no third or fourth category of human beings. Nature attests to what scripture reveals. Humans are made in God's image and created either male or female. Consider these few verses. Genesis 5.2 Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and named them man when they were created. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6 And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The scriptures not only provide creation background for what we see plainly in biology, but the texts also show us that God's creation was and is good. Male and female are perfect complementary in biology, physiology, emotion, and spirit. Humanity finds its fullest expression in the unity of people being made one in marriage, a sacred covenant instituted by God. It is not enough for us to merely point out the evil and therefore the consequent tragedy of sexual sin. We must also be diligent to elevate the beauty and blessings that flow from the created order of a loving God. Our second point, sexual sin is abomination. Although the text I would cite is concerned with God's command forbidding same-sex relationships, one could deploy the transgender movement's intersectionality instrument to include this passage in our study. Nevertheless, our prohibition against same-sex relations is indicative of God's abhorrence of such wickedness. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 states, For this reason Yahweh gave them up to degrading passions, as their females exchanged their natural sexual function for one, 
that is contrary to nature. In the same way, their males also abandoned their natural sexual function toward females and flamed with lust toward one another. Males committed deviant acts with males and received within themselves the appropriate penalty for their perversion. Now, that quotation came out of the Universal Version Bible. Third, cross-dressing is forbidden in Scripture. Transgenderism is explicitly addressed in the Bible. This fact reminds us that the phenomenon of transsexual expression is not new. The practice is a deviant display of witness rebellion against the created order of God. For those like Foucault, who saw gender as merely social constructs enforced by puritanical power structures and subject to deconstruction, the voice of God in the Bible still speaks. In Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, we read, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Four, living in the land in unbelief. Believers should walk carefully in this present evil secular age. As the eminent Canadian philosopher, Dr. Charles Taylor has described our post-Christian culture. Every believer must be alert to the dangerous presence of anti-Christian powers and demonic spirits of this world using unrepentant sinners who are beating at the door of our consciousness to demand that we accept and approve what God forbids. God called Israel to be conscious of the seducing powers of the Canaanites, whose wickedness and sexual sins led them to divine judgment. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 29 and 30 state, For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among the, their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Male prostitutes were marked out by God as those whose wickedness brought judgment. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 24 states, And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations that Yahweh drove out before the people of Israel. It is difficult to imagine a contemporary social movement 
that is more dangerously consistent with the downward spiral of Romans chapter 1 than transgenderism. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul and ask yourself as I read them if we are not living in the times that he describes here in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. The Universal Version Bible renders it this way. For the divine wrath is unveiled from heaven against all irreverence and unrighteousness of men who wickedly suppress the truth because a knowledge of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has manifested it in them. For the unseen things of him from a cosmos's creation by the things being made perceived are clearly seen, even his imperceptible power and divinity. To the end, they should be without excuse. Since when they knew Yahweh, they did not with gratitude glorify him as Elohim or God, but their reasoning became idolatrous and their minds, void of judgment, were involved in darkness, alleging themselves to be wise. They were fooled. Verses 26 through 28 go on to state, For this reason, Yahweh gave them up to degrading passions as their females exchanged their natural sexual function for one that is contrary to nature. In the same way, their males also abandoned their natural sexual function toward females and flamed with lust toward one another. Males committed deviant acts with males and received within themselves the appropriate penalty for their perversion. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge Elohim or God, Yahweh gave them over to a reprobate mind to act unworthy of human nature. In verse 32 states, who knowing the divine rule of righteousness did not perceive that they who commit such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but they also applaud those who are committing them. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, the Apostle Paul describes unbelieving man's descent into a torment of his own making. Unbelief in the presence of the undeniable, coupled with intellectual and spiritual anarchy, devolves into not only the normalization of the irredeemable, but the codification of the indefensible. Reading Romans chapter 1 is like living through the last 20 years, and in particular, like living through the last four years under the Biden administration in the United States of America.
For as Dr. D. James Kennedy once said, when your code cracks, your creed crumbles. One is only amazed at the rapid rate of decline. The truth is undeniable. God abhors sexual sins because it strikes at the image of God in man. Sexual sin, including transgenderism, explicit and exemplarily condemned in the word of God, degrades human beings. Our women and children will always suffer the most if we allow such corruption to continue without divine intervention. So the Lord speaks to us today through the pen of the Apostle Paul. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. What? Do you not know? that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from Yahweh, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. For that reason, glorify Yahweh in your bodies. The gospel is a perennial word of hope. We do not have to fall into these sins. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, brothers, I call on you through the compassions of Yahweh to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to Yahweh, your rational service. And be not fashioned to this eon but be transformed by the renewing of your mind for you to be testing what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of Yahweh. Transgenderism is a sad symptom of a soul in torment. This sin is an especially virulent pathology of the human soul, and the disease is spreading by normalizing the forbidden, trivializing its lethality to the soul and to the community, and by naively promoting its supposed gaiety. Behind the laughing drag queen, however, is always a tragic and dying soul in need of Jesus Christ's love. If in fact you or your loved ones have been infected by the strong spirit-killing viruses of this agent of our present evil eon, then you must know you can be healed. Life and love may be pure and holy, before God. You can be fully human. 
that gospel transformation is not just available, but is inevitable when one turns to the Lord Jesus Christ to receive his mercy, his grace, and receives his cleansing power of the cross. His life lived will cover yours. His death offered for your sins brings you redemption from the devices of the devil and the fetters of the flesh. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, a notoriously noxious group of sinners who had been caught in every vile trick of the devil, especially those involving sexual sin. Paul's words are most instructive to those caught in such behaviors. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 state, In addition, brothers, I declare to you the evangel or gospel which I proclaimed to you, which also you have received and in which you abide, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I proclaimed to you, unless you believed in vain. For I conveyed to you is of first importance what also I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was entombed, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Did you hear that? You are being saved. Our Lord welcomes you into the company of the redeemed. The sin that so easily besets you today will become the chains lying on the floor of that old cell where you used to exist. But praise God, you are not what you were the moment you believe and trust the evangel of Jesus Christ. You are not what you will be. You are a sinner saved by grace, a child of God, loved by him, redeemed by him, and destined for a life beyond human comprehension. Do not corrupt the divine image with sexual perversion. Do not be less than who you are in Jesus Christ. Good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.